I love this church. My wife would be laughing so hard right now. <laughs> Nothing's good until it's messed up a little bit with her. <laughs> you know, it's got to be something off, you know. She's going to take the underdog every time, you know. She's just one of them. And uh, so... If you're looking for something wrong, you come to the right church. <laughs> but there's a lot right here too. Amen. <laughs> All right. Let me let me share a thought with this funny here. During the wedding rehearsal, the groom approaches the pastor with an unusual offer. Look, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you'll change the wedding vows. When you get to the part where I'm supposed to promise to love, honor, and obey and be faithful to her forever. I'd appreciate it if you just leave that out. <laughs> he passes the ministry the $100 bill and walks away satisfied with himself. On the day of the wedding, when it comes time for the groom's vows, the pastor looks the young man in the eye and says, Will you promise to prostrate yourself before her, obey her every command and wish, serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life, and swear eternally before God and your lovely wife that you will not ever even look at another woman as long as you both shall live? <laughs> the grim gulps, and he looks around and he says in a tiny voice, Yes. Then he leans toward the pastor and hisses, I thought we had a deal. And the pastor puts a $100 bill in the groom's hand and whispers, she made me a better offer. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> I had a standoff one time. I was supposed to do a wedding. And I've been telling them I need to talk to y'all, you know, for... <laughs> And stuff like that and, and uh, is this guy truly saved and, and you know all that and the guy was just really arrogant and he didn't want to meet with me and I said all right to find another find another preacher and it was I was the pastor of the church and the woman was attended there he didn't and uh, and then finally <laughs> he broke he broke loose about an hour before the wedding I'd already left I said I'm not doing it and he said, please come back. I'll meet with you. <laughs> so we went in there and we had a, a heart to heart, I'll say. <laughs> he passed away recently and uh, I pray he was saved. And I think that day might have had the influence on that. We made him think about some things that were real. Amen. Had to get real with him. You know what I mean? Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is a scripture that I quote all the time. So I want to read it to you right after I give thanks to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the rain. We needed it, Lord. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for teaching us your word and growing us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for mm. cloud hearts the ground being plowed and softened to receive your word like the gentle rain of the spring lord into good soil so that it will take root bear fruit in their lives in jesus name amen, amen. first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 is a scripture that we rely on a lot to explain some things uh, it says now may the god of peace himself 
sanctify, that means set you apart and keep you holy. And you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So there's a promise right there attached to it. If you lean on him, amen. But this just explains that you're a three-part being. Just like we serve a triune God, you are a spirit that you cannot discern with your natural mind and senses and feelings and emotions. Riding around in a body and you have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, your personality. Psalm 42, 11. I'm going to give you a few quick uh, Old Testament scriptures here. Psalm 42, 11. David, encouraging himself in a hard time. He says, why are you cast down, oh my soul? People would think he's maybe a little crazy talking to himself. He wasn't crazy. He says, why are you cast down, oh my soul? So if your soul is your mind your will, your emotions, your personality, who's talking? Who's talking to his soul? Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Then he gives it instructions. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So David here is encouraging his own soul from his own heart, his own spirit, you see? His spirit is speaking to him and he's just uttering out what he's hearing from God and reminding his, himself, be encouraged. You belong to God. Amen. You know? He's delivered you and provided for you through everything you've been up through up to now and including now and he's going to keep on doing it. Amen. Amen. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. Isaiah 25, 1, the prophet Isaiah prophesying. He says, oh, Lord, you are my God. He's prophesying about the future, things that we live with. We have the kingdom of God on the inside of us. We have Jesus Christ. They were just looking forward to his coming. And they, they would prophesy about things that they would see by the Spirit and that Lord, the Lord would speak to them. They, they, they died waiting to have what you have now or have access to. Amen. Oh, Lord, you are my God, said Isaiah. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Plans formed of old, faithful and sure. And look, he said you have done these wonderful things. Guess what he was talking about? He was talking about God swallowing up death forever. Which hadn't happened at that point, but in God's mind it had already. You see, God is you think of think of time, the entire time of human creation, from beginning to end, which we haven't seen yet, as a as a ruler, just suspended in the air, right? And say we're we're somewhere right around here. God God has already played it all out in his mind. It's already been done. That's why we know the beginning from the end. You see what I'm saying? But we're also in time. God created time. He's not constrained by it. Even though there is something to do like time and regarding uh, heaven's association with earth, which we don't understand. 
But you can prove it through the book of Daniel just by a couple of prayers. When they were answered both immediately, but one, one time the angel was there in seconds, one time he was there in like three weeks. And he told them both times, your prayer was answered immediately. And I came. Once he was hindered, he had a fight, a battle with another angel, an opposing angel. And he had to call on the archangel to come and help him. Michael or Gabriel? Michael. To come and help him anyway. This is not about that today. It's interesting though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Swallowing up death forever. How? Through Jesus. Amen. That's what he was prophesying about. Psalm 103, which is one of the ones that I use, like David did, to encourage myself all the time. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Remember, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sin? Who heals all your diseases? Who? There's no ambiguity here. Not maybe. Not some of them. All of them. Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy? Who satisfies you, verse 5, with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Amen. We ended up last week realizing, deciding, amen? amen? You see, when you, it only stands to reason, when you hear enough truth from God's word, from Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, it's only reasonable then that you should make up your mind about some of that, right? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. You hear these truths, and I mean, some of it you may already know and agree with. Some of it you didn't quite know, might not be living according to, but you hear it, and you hear it once or twice, and three, three witnesses from the Word, and you're like, it rings true, and you're like, ah, okay. I need to apply that to my life. I need to at least, you know, I have an understanding of it, and if I'm not there yet, I'm going to ask God to help, you know. When you hear the word enough, you're going to start making some decisions. Huh? And last week, we, or, or some of us, <laughs> hopefully most of us, decided it's impossible for us to lack because Jesus Christ is our shepherd. We're healed to be healers. We're saved to help others to be saved. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen, or owe me. Amen. And then we agree that we're ready to get on with it. Amen. We're kingdom builders. We're saved. We're powerful. And we're thankful. Yes. Because of that. Amen. Amen. All coming back to you now. Yes. John 4.24 says that God is a spirit. That's what he told the woman at the well. God is a spirit. Capital S. Holy Spirit. And those... Who worship him must worship him in spirit, their spirit, and in truth. You know, there is a such a thing as spiritual warfare. You hear a lot about it, and a lot of times it's, there's a lot of bad teaching about it. A lot of times people have good understanding of it. But you are in a spiritual war 
there is an enemy that controls about 80, 90, I, I don't know. I'm just saying the overwhelming majority of this world is under the influence or are still owned and controlled by Satan and his army, aren't they? The Bible says that he's in control of this world, the God of this world, little g, for a time. Even though Jesus has defeated him in the future, we haven't quite got there yet. But it's all going to play out in the end. Amen. Amen. And we win. Yes. Praise God. So you have protection. You have provision. You have power and authority over all the works of the devil. Now, not over the devil. In other words, like I said last week, if someone asked me, pray that the devil never bothers me again. I'll have to say, you want me to pray that you die? Because he has right to be here, unfortunately. And you will have tribulation in this life. But be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome this world and he's in you. Amen. Amen. Paul and Silas, remember in the book of Acts. I don't know if I have time to go there. It's Acts chapter 16. And uh, I'm learning to do stuff fast. 16.25 or so, I think. Paul and Silas, I won't read the story to you. You can go back and read it. It's really interesting reading. But they had uh, been put into prison because Paul was operating in the gifts of the Spirit, basically. They were preaching in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and this, this uh, in, in the district of Macedonia, and there's a girl following them around for days, and she's just proclaiming out, hey, these, these, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And that seems like a good thing. It's true. But it was very irritating, and what she was doing was causing trouble for them, you see. And Paul knew this by a word of knowledge from God, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit. And he got so fed up with it that he got, says Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, our battle not against flesh and blood, said to the Spirit, working in the girl, she was a slave girl, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So the problem was the owners of her used to make a lot of money off of her for divining. You know, she was a like a palm reader or something, you know. They made money off of her and they ticked them off. So they started causing trouble. Anyway, they ended up in jail. Paul and Silas, they got beaten. And then they got, they said they wanted to make them secure. So they took them down to the bottom of the dungeon in the dark, put shackles on their feet. After they had been beaten with rods and the crowd. So they weren't, you know, probably feeling too good. But at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were pray praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's, everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? He was a Roman guard. He would have been killed had they escaped on his watch. He'd rather do it himself than what they would have done to him. But check this out. 
supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. Not only did he and Silas stick there and, and obey the law, but nobody left. Why? These dudes were criminals. These weren't all in jail for preaching about Jesus. They were probably the only two, as a matter of fact. Why did nobody leave? The anointing. The presence of the Lord. Tangible. They knew it. They just wanted to sit and soak in it. I'll tell you about that time. I went to that prayer. One of the first times I was called to another church to preach, and I, I was so scared. I was all dressed up. I got there, and I preached. I preached on the numbers five, and then I preached on how we're the treasure of the kingdom of God and, and how much God loves you. And I looked up, and everybody in there, and there was probably over 100, and they were all on the floor weeping, slain in the Holy Spirit. I'd never even heard of anything like that, much less seen it. It lasted a long time. Several minutes I stood there. I didn't know what to do, so I just went and sat down. <laughs> it was wonderful. But listen, Paul and Silas, you know, that's not a normal thing, you know. Matter of fact, you Someone got the tar beat out of them and they're probably all bloody and shackled up. You know, they put those metal shackles on their ankles and they didn't have Levi's on. They're probably on their bare skin, you know. <laughs> so I'm saying it wasn't normal, according to the world, to be praising God and singing Him, was it? But they were doing some spiritual warfare. They were doing the smart thing. Telling you your worship is your worship. You want to learn to fight for God, you gotta learn different than what you think you know. That was a hard one for me. When I found out the devil was the one causing all my problems all my life and he killed everyone I'd loved and all that stuff, I said, Lord, I hate him. I want to fight him. I want to fight for you. He said, Well, you need to forget everything you think you know. A word called kenos in Greek it means empty out. So that's what I had to learn to do. He started showing me your weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Here, take take my armor. It's all spiritual. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. It's the only offensive weapon he gave me. Shield of faith. On and on. I'm not going to preach on that right now. <laughs> but you not only have benefits with Christ. See, Paul and Silas were aware. And they just loved God. But they were aware of that grumbling and complaining would have made their situation worse. You have to become more aware of the spiritual realm than you are the natural realm. There are millions of Christians all over the world that you will see in heaven, but they are just as carnal and natural and complain, and they're just as mean as a snake as, as their next door neighbor who isn't safe. They are just carnal. Sometimes they are sinful, sometimes they're not. They're just natural. They're just 
affected by the, what they see and hear in this world more than they are what they see and hear in this word and from God. And that's always going to be a trap of the enemy and a snare for you. You have great authority, and with that authority comes responsibility. Mark eleven twenty four says, our authority becomes effective by faith. Believe that you have what you pray for when you pray, and you shall have it. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and our faith becomes effective by acknowledging or saying out every good thing that is in us, that God has done in us. Amen. That's Philemon 1.6. Probably only in the King James where you see it written that way. And this isn't just mental assent or coming into agreement. Oh, okay. I think I was right, right? No, you have to speak it out. Your faith is voice activated. My wife says faith has feet and lips. If you really believe, it's going to cause you to say and do some things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Those that you're doing doesn't earn anything from God. And you're saying doesn't earn anything from God. It's just a byproduct of the relationship you have with God. It's the overflow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. You're planting seed in the garden of your heart today. And if you will not just let it go in one ear and out the other, but you will hold on to it and don't let the enemy steal it and let it germinate, meditate on it, think about it, talk to God about it, talk to others about it, it'll start to take root and then it'll bear fruit in your life. Amen. Remember last week, Philippians 4 8, <coughs> whatever's good, whatever. Praiseworthy, honorable, lovely, all those things. Think on those things. Like, well, well, that's easy for you to say. You don't have the problems I have now. It doesn't matter. We all got problems. Different sorts, different kinds, different times. But, God says, get rid of the stinking thinking. Replace it with, with the good stuff that I promised. Meditate on it. Make it yours. Call those things that are not as though they were. That's what our God does. Amen. Start talking about that new car. <laughs> Start, we got home last night. My wife's like, honey, the upstairs hallway is full of water. <laughs> Meaning the Air conditioner drain pan is either the drain line is either clogged up or it's rusted a hole in it or it's overflowed, right? Yeah. So get all the buckets out and just drying it up. She's cleaning everything. And I get halfway up the ladder and I'm not going up there. My 250 pounds and wet sheetrock do not do well. <laughs> So, anyway, we get it all sorted out. But we just began to praise God. You know what? We began to praise God. And you know what? We, we didn't leave the air conditioner off. We turned that sucker back on and let it run all night. Got up in the morning and it wasn't even leaking. What are you leaking? Is there still a problem? Yeah. 
Acknowledge him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. So first you got to get some things established. You got to decide some things and you got to decide to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, from the days, we're talking about spiritual warfare here. From the days of John the Baptist, this is Jesus talking, until now, which hadn't been that long, that was his cousin who baptized him in the, in the Jordan, in Bethany, right? Until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. I wanted to explain this scriptures to you because sometimes people get confused by it. Oh no, heaven's under attack. And they're taking it by force. No, they're not. <laughs> That's not what it's saying. Okay? Are you all with me? I want you to understand this passage of scripture because it's very empowering to you. Now let me tell you what Jesus was talking about. Because it's the same in Matthew eleven twelve as it is in Luke 16, 16. But there's commentary. You can study these things out, and sometimes those are wrong. But you need a spirit-filled believer, someone who hears God to explain them to you once they have revelation from God. Amen. Or oh me. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Okay, so it starts off with that. So what this is talking about, it, it describes the eager rush of the crowds of that time of Galilee and Judea to, to first to the, to the first they came rushing to the preaching of John the Baptist and then to the preaching of Jesus and the healings and the provision the miracles and all that they came rushing in right not to hurt him because but to get what he had right it was it says in the commentary, as it were, a city attacked on all sides by those who were eager to take possession of it, not harm it. Understood? Yeah. And then that part, it says the violent and the violent take it by force. So the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Well, I'm going to go Greek here on you again. And, and believe me, when I do that, I'm not trying to... <laughs> I always say I know I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. One owns a delicatessen, the other one owns a laundromat. <laughs> but in your studies, you have to see these things. And when you don't understand something, sometimes the translation threw it off a little bit. So go look. And the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New in Greek. And you can go find out what the literal translation meant. And sometimes it's different. And it'll add to you. And you'll go, oh, okay. And that's one of the things here. It says, the violent take it by force. So there's a, it talks about a Greek noun here. And it says it's without a particular article or, or something. It says, it, it says it's not saying men who are violent or use force. It's saying the meaning of the violent are men of eager, impetuous zeal who grasp the kingdom of heaven i.e. it's peace and pardon and blessedness with as much eagerness as a man would snatch and carry off as their own spoil of a conquered city. You see what I'm saying? Their new life is 
in the prophet's language, given them as a prey. And then it's talked about a couple different times in Jeremiah, if you want to study that out or something like that. But I just wanted to give you a little background on that. But there's no thought of hostile purpose in these words. It's just talking about people are hearing about the kingdom of God and they're and and they're, they realize it's God and they're they want it. They want it bad and they're desperately pushing in to get it. I'm telling you this because you need this kind of violence attitude in your life regarding the kingdom of God. Amen. Yes. Not against it, but to get it. All the promises and the provision of the cross of this word that God has made through Jesus Christ and that Jesus provided through the atonement, they don't just happen automatically in the believer's life. When you believe and you give your life to the Lord, you are redeemed. Your spirit is saved, but your soul is not. It is being transformed. It is being renewed. It is being saved every day. Amen. Amen. Now, it's never going to be completely perfected while you're here. You'll continue to grow, hopefully. There's a lot of stunted growth in the body of Christ. And then when, you, then when you're with the Lord, it'll be completed. Then we will know all things, you see. Right now, we know in part. Then we will know all things. You see? But it's best if you will grow and continue to prosper in your walk now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy the benefits of your salvation. God wants you, first of all, to be blessed and prospered in every aspect of your life. But then he wants you to overflow to others. Your ministry, your ministry is the byproduct and the impact of the overflow of your relationship with Jesus Christ yes. on others. So they don't just happen. You have to take what's yours. It's already yours, but you got to take it. It's not just maybe God will do it if he's in a good mood. God's always in a good mood towards you. He loves you. He's already poured out his wrath, his judgment for all the sin of the whole world, not just you and me, on the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see? So, he, so here's one of those places like I'm talking about. You hear the word. You meditate on it. But he either, what I just said, he either did that or he didn't do that. you got to make a decision. This is one of those things where you need to make up your, your decider. Your soul has to make a choice about this. If you want to walk in the power and the victory in this life that Jesus has provided you with. Some sacred cows have to be killed in the church. The sovereignty of God has been taught in error for so long in so many settings in the body of Christ that it has made believers complacent. I have a dear friend right now who's struggling physically. 
he's not struggling. He's getting better now. But it's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm praying. I need you to believe with me. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. I see you walking in perfect health and wholeness and victory. It's not up to me, he said. He's one of those that have been taught that the sovereignty of God is out of our control. You see? And whatever, if God, God can heal you, but who knows if he will. God can prosper you, but nobody knows. God works in mysterious ways. Lie. Lie from the devil. The thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that's the devil. That's what he's always done. When he lies, he's speaking his natural language, he said. He, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly to the full. Let's get this straight. Hallelujah. So we got to quit. Why is it so important to know this? Why would, it, why would it be important to know this? For somebody who's maybe just looking through the windows of the church to say, hey, is this, is this for real or are these people full of it? Tip my toe in the water, looking through, checking this out. That's fair. God loves those people. He died for them, and he's hoping they'll come on in. But sometimes what they see is a bunch of hypocrisy and nonsense and lies, and so they run away. Especially when the pulpit is telling them that God puts bad things on you to teach you a lesson. That's a lie, folks. Good God, bad devil. Religion has screwed people up. And God said, that's enough. I'm turning the hearts of my people back to me. I want them to see how much I love them. And if you won't stand at the pulpit and tell them about the love of God and how powerful and wonderful they are and how Jesus has already paid for all their ugly, then I'll find somebody who will. And so you're going to see a lot of changes around this body of Christ. And the end times church is not going to look like the church did with mama and them. We're going to be walking in love and power and victory and adorned with all the gifts Amen. of the spirit. Amen. Amen. If God's will was automatic, if the sovereignty of God was taught, as it's taught in many places, was true, everybody in the world would be healed, would be prosperous. Doesn't 3 John 2 say, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Yes. So that's God's will. So if the sovereignty of God was like they teach, then everybody would be healthy and prosperous. If it was God's sovereignty that did everything, then everybody would be in perfect peace. They would all be prosperous. They would all be delivered. There would be no evil in the world because God is love. If God used his sovereignty to the extreme that many teach, then everybody in the world would be saved. But they're not. How do I know that? Well, from the Bible. Second Peter. This is the last letter of Peter. I always look at the last thing somebody wrote as the one that like, oh God, I really kill. They're gonna kill me pretty soon. I gotta tell y'all so much. <laughs> Peter was crucified upside down next to his wife. Second Peter. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. 
He said, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Remember what I told you about time. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some think count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He wants everybody to be saved. That's his desire. That's why Jesus is waiting to come back. So he can get as many as can to, to turn, change their mind and turn to the Lord. And then verse 10, though, it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. <clears throat> so it's just coming. God is love. And if all went his way, everyone would be saved, healed, blessed, prosperous. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. God gave all authority, dominion, control over this world to Adam in the garden. And he gave it away when he agreed with Satan. And God looks at that seed. Remember, I tell you, if you don't understand about seeds, you're not going to understand the little farming thing. Then you're not going to understand anything. God looks at the seed. Adam passed down his seed to every man and woman that was born from him all the way until today. So they're all born with that corrupted sin nature. So when you say, the devil made me do it, and you're not saved, you're, you're telling the truth, really. But once you've been born again, that's cast out and kingdom of God moves in. Nature of God moves in. There's no dual nature. There's no dichotomy. You're fighting against this. Not like this yin-yang I have on my shoulder, which I should have removed, but I'm scared. <laughs> I had enough needles, man. I don't know. Why did I even tell you that? <laughs> God loves me anyway. Amen. Got a big old cross on this one with a ribbon that says Tavana through the middle of it. <laughs> we live in a fallen world, been corrupted by sin, suffers. The whole world suffers from the negative effects of the poor choices made by the free will of mankind. God will not override our free will. He will, he will back you up in your choice to deny him. He will protect you in that all the way to hell if you choose. He will not force you. He does not want a family of robots. He has that already, angels. They are his employees. We're his children. Yes. He wants children that chose him because he is freaking good. Yes. Is that bad to say the freaking good? I'm not that far removed from the world. You gotta give me a little slack sometimes. <clears throat> hmm. 
So, for all that God has for you and for those you love to come to fruition in your lives, you'll need to learn to trust and cooperate with God in faith. And there's a certain amount of spiritual violence required on your part. Do you understand what I'm saying today? The enemy doesn't want you to have your inheritance. And you're going to have to use your spiritual weapons to take it by force. And then, really, you already have it. But you're going to have to, to get it to manifest, you're going to have to take it by force to get it to manifest from the spiritual realm where it's on account for you into this natural realm and this natural body where you can make use of it now. And then once you get it, you have to tend it and protect it, just like he gave Adam a job to do in the garden. Tend and protect. And he didn't do it. If he had, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> but Jesus came to fix all that. Thank God. We've got to take hold of what's ours. Think of the woman with the issue of blood. How long am I? We okay? All right. It's my birthday. Shout me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> You want some coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Mark 5, chapter 25 through 34. If you bear with me, I'll just share this story with you. You know what I pray? I pray in the Spirit all the time. And I pray for revelation. I pray for wisdom. I pray to hear God, to know Him better, to make me usable. And He believes me and He tells me stuff. <laughs> We're friends. Amen. And He's no respect to a person. In other words, he, He's not going to give me anything that He won't give you, Dan. That's the truth. That's, that's Scripture. Amen. Amen. And there was a woman who had, my wife hates this description. She had, she had her monthly time, but it didn't stop for 12 years. Y'all with me, okay? That's terrible. That could kill somebody, right? I can't even, I'm, don't, don't look at me like you don't even know what. You know, woman, I know. When I talk about childbirth, same thing. Like, I know y'all are tougher than us, and believe me. I don't even want to know. But this woman had been having her time for 12 months without it stopping, and she was very sick. She, and it, it says she had suffered much under many physicians. Not only was she suffering with this affliction, but she, imagine the doctors 2,000 years ago. They made her suffer even more. And she must have gone through all, she probably was probably doing pretty good when this all started because it said she had spent all that she had on these doctors trying to get it fixed. So not only was she sick, 
And then they had, you know, I always say a hospital ain't no place to get well, you know. So she had been, she was sick, and then she went to doctors. who made things worse. <laughs> Maybe not against doctors. Praise God. Thank God for doctors. All the Christians would be dead. <laughs> but she was in bad shape. And she was no better but rather grew worse. So it was getting worse 12 years in. And now she's destitute and sick and probably looked it. You see what I'm saying? Verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus. She heard about Jesus, just like you're hearing today. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She had decided to follow Jesus. You hear me? Verse 28, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Not only had she decided to follow Jesus, she had decided to follow him in faith. Really follow him. You know what following Jesus means? It's not just believing he exists. The devil does that and trembles. She had decided to follow him in faith, putting her total trust in him, in his goodness, in his power, and in his willingness to heal her. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. She felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. Amen. <coughs> Praise God. Yes. Immediately upon her commitment and dedication and resolve. You see what I'm saying? When she reached out the hand of faith, she grabbed hold of the grace of God. The power and ability and healing of God. Yes. And 30. And Jesus perceiving in himself. See Jesus had given up all of his godly privileges. And made himself a man just like us. So that he could be a kinsman redeemer. And make himself available to be someone to redeem us. To get us out of our mess. But he perceived in himself that power had gone out from him. Don't worry. He has a limitless supply. <laughs> Why though? Because he's, because he's God? No, remember what I told you. He had laid aside all of those privileges. The reason he had a limitless supply is because of the same way that you have a limitless supply. He had an amazing relationship with the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. Sometimes you just, you know, how many of you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> you know, in the book of, uh, of Acts, you see the same people who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and were filled, they, they, they're filled again in, in, in a couple of other places. Sometimes you just say, Lord, fill me up. I'm a little dry, Lord. Fill me up again. Let me get along with you. 
immediately he turned about in the crowd and said, who touched me? Or who touched my garment? Depending on who, what your, which translation you're reading. Doesn't matter. And his disciples, there's a huge crowd. Everybody's doing this, pushing. They look at him like he's crazy. He said they said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you? In other words, everybody's touching you. What do you mean? <laughs> a lot of people had made contact with him, but only one person touched him, amen? amen. Only one person touched him in faith. Yes, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. And look, watch, check this out in verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she's like, this man is healed. Just like I believe. Knowing what had happened to her. Came in fear and trembling. This is the fear of God. And, 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 and respect and honor. And overwhelming just compassion and love. You know. Like this man is great. That's the fear of the Lord. Not fear of punishment. She wasn't afraid he's going to hurt her. He just healed her. So she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You see, to fear God is to fear nothing else. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. See, even though she had committed crimes by being out in public in that condition and touching him like she did. These were crimes in their culture, in their religion, in their day. She could have been stoned, cast out of the synagogue in the very least. But she had received her healing. She knew she made the right choice, amen? She knew this man had more authority than whatever could come against her in this world. And she made up her mind. She decided to follow Jesus. And she chose right. Praise God. Verse 34, and he said to her daughter, he wasn't mad at her, your faith has made you well. That word sozo. Totally healed. Healed, delivered, saved. Everything good. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. When you commit to Jesus, you get everything good. He's the right choice. The only real choice. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. But you have to decide to allow him to be. You see, he's not going to be your savior. See, everybody likes the forgiveness part, but the lordship, not so much. My life, I can't let him tell me what to do. Nonsense. He's not just going to be your, your savior and not be allowed to be your lord. So you need to decide. You need to think about that. 
He says you have to weigh out the cost. He said if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not worthy for the kingdom of God. So we have to decide it. It has to be, he has to be our Lord to the exclusion of all others. I, it broke my heart. My neighbor, his wife just passed away and I've been trying to get him to come to church. And he's like, nah, you know, I'm an intelligent man. I've been educated. I've been around the world. I've met Hindus and Muslims and good people everywhere. And you expect me to tell them just because they don't know the Son of God, they're going to hell. No thanks. You're all sitting there thinking the same thing. I mean, it's kind of it's a tough one. You got to make your mind up. Jesus didn't come down from heaven just to be one of the ways and die on the cross, folks. God, just in case they don't uh, believe in uh, Buddha or Muhammad, let me go and die a terrible death on the cross so they'll have another option. Shit. Kidding me? <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. I, I had some things I wanted to cover, but I'm just gonna finish right here. Ephesians chapter six. <clears throat> and then we'll we'll go back here and I'll I'll show you some things. Ephesians chapter 6, after he talks about children obeying their parents and, <laughs> and uh, doing your best at your job, even when your boss isn't looking and all these things. <laughs> See, we're at the responsibilities part of Ephesians. Now, the first three chapters is the benefits, and the last three is the, the responsibility that come with it. But then at the end, he gives us his gift, this whole armor of God. He gives us, you see, put his armor on. I told you last week, if you show up in God's armor, the devil won't know if it's you and Jesus. Quit sticking your head out and saying, it's me, devil. Please don't hurt me. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is not you, folks. You don't have to do it in your own strength, in your own power, in your own ability. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. See, he's a deceiver. He's a schemer. He's a liar. He's a trickster. Yes. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's talking about the devil and his army, which are no match for God and his. But they're still there. And to deny it is just to mean that you're going to suffer loss to, to them. It's better to, to be aware of who your enemy is and to know their tactics. Wouldn't you agree? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand, therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here's where I was going. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. That's praying in tongues, folks. Like it or not. Praying in the Holy Ghost. With all prayer and supplication. So he's telling you to pray all kind of prayers here. We are, we are, hey, we're word people and we're spirit, spirit people, right? This is essential. You hear, you hear all the, the, the big generals in the kingdom of God right now talking like this. If they're heavy in the word, they're bringing in the gifts of the spirit. If they're heavy in revival and the gifts of the spirit only, they're bringing in teaching and the word of God. And they're combining the two because God is showing them the importance. Just like I've been preaching and teaching for 15 years. And it's true. But he's saying here to pray. Pray is just fellowship with God. You think of prayer as just being a getting down on your knees and begging God for stuff. No, no, no. That's really not even prayer. There's all kinds of prayer. Lots of prayers. There's the prayer of faith. There is worship, which is your worship is your worship. Psalm 16, 2 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. There's the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of intercession, the, there's corporate prayer. There is the prayer of consecration to set someone apart, a minister or something like that. And there is the prayer uh, in the Holy Ghost. So lots of, I think I listed like seven kinds of prayer right there. You see what I'm saying? So a prayer is not a prayer is not a prayer, but they're all good. But here, and I needed to get to this. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting. This is something. When, when, you, when you cast something, when you throw a rock, or skim a rock, you, you, have to, you have to throw that rock, don't you? God doesn't cast rocks for you, does he? I mean, if you're going to... I hope you're not throwing a rock. We used to do terrible things when I was a child. I'm trying to forget those things. Just throw rocks at each other. <laughs> we did crazy things for fun. Mom, I got this arrow in my side. Oh, it was just Joe. He didn't mean no harm. Anyway, casting all your cares, Peter said. Casting all your anxieties, your cares on him because he cares for you. The Amplified Version says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all. That means you don't pick it up again, for he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. This involves trust, folks, faith in God. You have to come to trust God. It requires a track record over time where you see how amazing and how trustworthy and how good and how dependable he is, you see? And you need that. You need to draw upon those things. You need to write them down. You need to start remembering and thinking back about the times when you don't know how you got out of that silly mess you were in. And you have to give credit to God. And then that will build your faith up a little bit. Say, you know, what? he did get me through some things. He can handle this. And he surely will. Because I just invited him into this situation. I didn't even invite him into those other situations. And he loved me anyway. Oh, man, if I could count the times. 
and you decide to follow Jesus. You make up your mind. And in the true sense of the word. And you make up your mind. Then you renew your mind through the washing of the water of the word. You start putting these promises in. You see what God says about stuff. It's a little process. It takes time. You can't microwave your relationship with the Lord. But every way, he'll baby you and he'll encourage you. And it's fun. And his promises are true. And he's good. Then you'll decide to follow Jesus and to be well. You decide to be well. Yes. You decide to be prosperous. Yes. And actually walk in the blessing that is already yours, you see. Yes. It's important that you decide to receive what God has. Amen. He's not going to force it on you. But he wants you to have it very much. But you have to learn to participate in the spiritual laws that he has in place for your benefit and to believe the truth of his promises because, as, as it, because it all becomes effective by your acknowledging of it. Is what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Alright. We're not going to finish. We're just going to stop and we'll start again. Amen? Amen. But... I got to get to a birthday party. And I'm inviting all of you. I love you all so much. But not as much as God does. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your love. Is there anybody here who's made up their mind to follow Jesus? That they want to come and just give their life to Jesus right now? Just raise your hand if that's you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody, you know, wants to walk in the power and victory and authority that I've been talking about. And you say, I just don't have the power in my life. I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit. If that's you, just let me know. Just raise your hand. All right. All right. All right. All right. Heavenly Father, everyone who has responded positively, whether they're here or somewhere else, First of all, Lord, they receive you as their Lord and Savior. If you're listening, if you're here, or if you're listening somewhere else, just repeat after me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe He came and died on the cross for my sins, that He lives today. I choose that He come into my heart today, and I'm asking, I repent of my sins, and I want Him to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. If you said that prayer, I believe you've been saved. Now, if you want to be, complete that like Jesus did the same time he got baptized in water, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, if you need this. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to do the works that he has for you to do. Without the gifts of the Spirit, you cannot do the works that Jesus did. And he said, you will do the works that I do and greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And that means he's sending the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is here and he's already in you. But now there's a special baptism, an infilling of the Holy Ghost, an empowerment. If you want that, just repeat after me. Dear Lord, 
Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Holy Spirit, use me. Let your gifts flow through me. Help me to speak in other tongues. Give me my prayer language. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that it is your will that I have this gift that Jesus was so happy that he would be able to go to you and send back to us. Fill me up to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, some words will begin to well up in you. God's not going to take control of your tongue to make you grab the microphone in the middle of progress and embarrass you. He is not like that. He loves you. Some people get filled with the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they don't, do not speak in tongues for a while because they're waiting for God to take over their mouth and make them do it. You have to open your mouth and let the words come out. When you do it, it might just sound like baby talk at first. That's okay. You are just a baby in this. You'll grow up in it. You'll speak beautiful languages. You'll speak directly to the throne of grace. The Lord says He loves you. He wants you all to have this gift, this power to walk in victory and power and authority. You have authority over all the works of the devil, and He wants you to begin to walk in your in your in your position in Him and in your authority. He loves you. So do I. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank Him if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just begin to thank Him for it and continue to thank Him throughout this week. Thank you for filling me with your Spirit, Lord. And just practice. Practice your private prayer language. That's not for anybody but you. You don't have to do it anywhere except in your own private prayer closet, wherever you pray. There is a separate gift of speaking in tongues in a public setting, but that requires an interpretation. That's a separate gift given by the Holy Spirit at His discretion at any given time to someone who is available to Him. It's a separate thing. The, the praying in, in other tongues, when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like buying tennis shoes. The tongues comes with it. <laughs> Amen. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your love and grace. Love you all. You're this man. And now we're going to sing Happy Birthday. Yeah. If y'all still will.